Hi, and welcome to the Family Business Podcast. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and in each episode, I will discuss and explore the key challenges facing family businesses today. As a family business advisor, I'm passionate about helping families to overcome the complex and unique challenges that come from being in business together. So if what I cover in the show resonates with you, I'm here to help, and I would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me at fanbizpodcast.com forward slash work with Russ. You can also sign up to the newsletter there and receive the latest blogs, podcasts and videos directly in your inbox. I would like to thank my friends at the Institute for Family Business for their continuing support for what I'm doing with this show. The IFB is a unique community of family businesses with common challenges, interests, values and goals. To find out more about their work, visit ifb.org.uk. Let's get on with the show. Hello everyone and welcome to this special episode of the Family Business Podcast. To coincide with Family Business Week, which is being held from the 22nd to the 26th of November, we are re-releasing some of our more popular interviews with UK-based family businesses and encouraging everybody who's listening to get involved on social media, uh, in particular on Twitter to celebrate and showcase your family business or to highlight uh, the family businesses that you are working with. As I say, the best way to do that is via Twitter and the Twitter handle to follow is at Family Biz Week. And you can also follow the IFB on there as well, which is at IFB underscore UK. And while you're there, you may as well give the podcast a follow as well. So that's at Fanbiz Podcast. There are a number of ways in which you can join in the celebrations this week. And you can find out lots more information at the Family Business Week website, which is familybusinessweek.co.uk. Now, each day this week, I will be re-releasing some of the more popular interviews for you to enjoy from the archive. So you may not have heard them already and hoping that you'll get some new uh, and interesting insights from those historic interviews, as well as revisiting some of the uh, more recent ones as well. Today's uh, interview is with Josie Morris from Walkall, and we talk about Walkall's journey to becoming a certified B Corp organisation here in the UK. And given that the idea of Family Business Week is to celebrate family businesses and how they can be a force for good, um, it's a great way to start the week by introducing the interview with Josie as she shares their experiences of uh, the B Corp process. In addition, we talked to Josie about what it's like to receive an email from the Queen as she was awarded an MBE. And um, I can't imagine what that would be like. I can't imagine I'm ever going to find out either, but it was great to hear Josie's experience. So if you haven't heard the interview already, I really hope you enjoy it and can take a lot away from it. Keep an eye on your podcast player of choice this week because we will be revisiting some of the more popular interviews with family businesses throughout the week. And please do get involved on social media. Right, I'll pass you over to the interview with Josie. Hope you enjoy. Well, I am delighted to welcome my guest onto the show 
this week. Um, we are speaking with Josie Morris MBE, and we are going to get into the MBE element of that a little later on in the show. But firstly, Josie, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And we are going to be talking about your family business, which is Walkall, and the B Corp process that you help take the business through. But before we get into that, if you could give our audience an overview of um, who you are, how you got involved in your family business, a bit about the business, and give them a feel for who you are. Sure thing. Um, so I'm Josie. Uh, I am now MD of Walkall. And um, the business actually was started by my mum, so hence Family Business Link. Um, back in, in 2009, um, she's a passion consultant by and, and designer by trade. Um, and the idea came from a project she was working on with the National Trust back in 2000, early 2000s. And basically, very simply, and without going on too much, um, the, the concept is um, insulated packaging, but using sheep's wool. So an alternative to polystyrene, so for shipment of food and pharmaceutical products. So, you, you know, if, you, if you're receiving meat in the post, for example, um, it needs to be chilled. And so the insulation is um, made of sheep's wool rather than polystyrene. So um, sustainability-wise, it's, it's got much better credentials. Yeah, and this series of the show, we are focusing on sustainability and we wanted to hear from different businesses, different perspectives on how you've undertaken um, the journey to uh, what you're doing on the sustainability um, side of things. And I think it's important if we um, can just to cover your journey into the business because you didn't... You weren't there from day one, I don't think, and you joined a, a little bit later on and just sort of explain the background behind that, if that's okay. Yeah, and I mean, I guess any any family business, you know, anyone in the family business or out of the family business will know, will recognise this when I say that you're probably in the business for the whole of your life um, in, in many ways. Um, and I'm sure everyone's got that kind of child job where they sat and did something for their family business I don't know whether it's a summer job or whatever but um certainly with Walkall um I, I actively decided I'll go off to uni and not join it um initially and I kind of had my sights on it but I thought I only wanted to join if I was was um deemed good enough I didn't want to just join because because otherwise that's not going to work for either party um, so I actually did classics at uni which is not completely away from packaging and, and shooting sustainability um with the view that I might go into journalism and um, that was that was kind of on my radar a little bit um and then yeah so I, I went and did classics I went into sportswear because I, I love sports so, so I thought sportswear might be of interest I, I work for a sportswear company and then um my mum around 2014 um, asked me whether I would consider joining um the business as a sales man manager basically to help with the sales side and Someone said to me, actually, a, a good friend of mine who, who's very, very knowledgeable about family businesses kind of said to me, are you joining for your mum? Are you joining for yourself? Which I went away and had a little think about that. And when I could answer that honestly and say I was joining for myself, but also because I wanted to take the legacy forward, I then said, yeah, I'll join. And, and I made Keith, who's my mum's partner, interview me. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it, it's quite... Um, Family business is one of those things that's inherent in you if you've got like a parent or a couple of parents or whatever that, that are running business. But um, I think it's something that I was quite conscious that I didn't just want to join for the because it was there. Do you know what I mean? I wanted to go off and do other things. Yeah. And that's often a debate, I think, is whether it's best to 
um, go off and uh, get some experience and some uh, you know, perspectives from outside of the family business before joining the family business. And that there are some that will be adamant that that must be the route that everybody takes. And there's others that will say, no, don't need to do that. You can um, just grow up through the business and take on different roles in the business, almost do your apprenticeship through the business. And I think from my experience, what I've found is that actually it's what works for you as a family yeah. and what works for you as individuals. And presumably you felt as if you needed to, to go away to, um, sort of get that experience to be able to come back and be, as, as you were saying, useful to the business and do it on merit rather than just because there was that um, family tie. And I think it's a really important point on um, why are you joining the family business and the fact that you thought about that and um, use that thinking to go, actually, it is for me. Uh, it's not just because I feel sort of forced into it or I feel this pressure around it is something I want to actively contribute to. And I think, again, that's really important thinking for anyone that's looking to join a family business um, to, to undertake. I think, I think also there's no right or wrong answer, like you say. You know, I think I've seen some people who've been absolutely, you know, 100% behind the fact they're going to join their business, the family business, and that's what they want to do and their heart's completely in it. So I think it's around, like you say, the individual um, and what's right. I think one of the kind of, I don't know whether this is a, a drive or not, but um, we this was kind of second generation. So I think, you know, I, I kind of think, well, in three or four, if it's three or fourth or fifth generation, which hopefully we get to, um, then would I have gone through the same process or would I just join because that was the thing to do? So I think you know, it is, it is dependent on, and I think it depends on your relationship with the people in the business. My sister's joined as well. So there's other drivers there, um, but certainly you're right. It's individual to everyone. I don't, I don't think there's any right or wrong answer to this, to this conundrum. I think it's in your, I think it's in your own individual opinion, really. Yeah, I agree. And um, so you joined um, 2014 and you are now MD running the business. Um, how kind of soon after joining were you sort of rising up the ranks in terms of your your role um, from sort of sales to, to where you are now? So um, I started progressing. I think um, Keith and my mum had me and Mark to kind of take on the progression if I wanted it. And if I kind of, because I think the other thing I kind of said that I was nervous about if I wasn't good enough to do it, that you know, actually that would end up breaking it for everyone. So I think, you know, particularly in the early days, Keith kind of kept an eye, because he was the MD previously, and he kept an eye on, you know, what was I doing? You know, was I was I answering emails? Was I, you know, doing the right thing and 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 forging my own way, really? Um, and then um, we moved to a warehouse in 2015. At that point, it felt right because we were open, opening up our own facility for me to be a sales director at that point, kind of from the start, from when we get a new team coming through, because then it would start to be, mine and my sister's team rather than just you know a team that were employed some of the time and then um we um I think it was I think it was 2016 I think I became an MD um which was quite exciting it was a bit earlier than I thought it was going to be um but actually these kind of things we move so quickly as a business at the moment that I think it just kind of naturally happened mm. um and then you learn from there don't you it's a bit like the funny thing about being an MD I think is when you're younger, you kind of look at an MD and go, oh, you know, what's that mean? And when you're doing the job, you're like, well, you just kind of learn on the job. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of it isn't, you don't know the answer, do you? You just kind of go with gut quite often. 
Yeah, but I think that can sometimes feel quite intimidating when you're asked to take on that role. As you say, you you were kind of feeling, well, what if I'm not the right person to take this on? It's more than just my job role at stake. Um, but I think that's a, a really positive attitude to take rather than just going, well, yeah, it's a doddle, I could do it. I, you know, I don't need to learn. I don't need to continue to develop what I'm doing. It's, it's quite a healthy approach to it rather than, you know, thinking I know everything and this is the way it must be done. You've got to respect the generations that come before you and the experience they have. And I think what struck me really early on was, I remember being in a meeting with my with my mum about um, a project we were working on, a, a, I don't know the exact conversation, but we were talking about something and, and I'd kind of gone, well, I think we should do it this way now. And I realised kind of after the meeting that I'd been quite blunt about that. And I realised that, actually the decision she made back in the day was the right decision to make it's just we'd evolved so you know and then I became very mindful of the fact that going forward to respect the fact that decisions were made in the past were made for a reason and were the right decisions because we wouldn't be where we were at if those decisions weren't made but also respecting the fact that things move on and you know when you become a certain size of business you have to put something else in place or you have to change something so it, it was just managing that emotion side of things and I think um, it's respecting that and I think for me to come in and think that I could do it better was arrogant and um, for me to come in and, and think that I know everything is also arrogant so I think you have to be humble and respectful of the fact that there's a reason those people are where they are and they've had a lifetime of experience that you can draw upon so why wouldn't you yeah. um, and I think you've also then got to separate the fact it's your mum <laughs> it's your mum that you're working with as well or your parent or your sister or your brother or whatever um or partner actually in some cases people are partners aren't they so uh -huh. it, it's that whole raft of things in that conversation that you, you kind of something you can re you really need to learn um going into a family business I think yeah absolutely and you mentioned that that was um pretty exciting for you something else that has happened recently that's pretty exciting is you've been awarded an MBE and um, spookily, we'd arranged the, the interview for the show before the sort of announcement was made um, about that. But the, the award was for services to manufacturing in the environment. And we're recording a series on sustainability. So all I can think is the Queen has been listening um, and has um, sort of put a, put a word in and uh, you, you've been awarded the MBE, which is incredible. I think that's exactly what happened. I think she heard <laughs> that I was coming on here, but you know what? We'll, we'll 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 do this we'll do this and uh, and tie it in nicely especially for this episode absolutely but but so talk us through that experience because it's not something I don't expect many of us will will ever experience the sort of scenario of receiving an award from from the Queen or an MBE in particular and so talk us through how that happens and how you were feeling about it all at the time and so um, my honest. Um, the action is I don't know how it happened um <laughs> it is my first reaction to it um so I think as you can probably hear I'm quite speechless about it still um basically I was I was sat at my computer a few weeks ago now and um I got an email through that basically said you've been nominated and I didn't I didn't know you could nominate someone for an MBA I thought it was just something I didn't I don't even know how you got it I don't think I even thought about it to be honest it never was on my radar um 
subsequently I found out someone outside of the business who I've been doing some work with nominated me which was really nice of them so thank mm -hmm. you to them um but actually what happens is you get a nomination um, it then goes through a process I think where they vet and they I don't think they ask other people about things about you and things like that um and then I think it goes to a board that then decide now I don't know this exact is the process but I get that's the general overview I get okay. um but I got an email which I didn't think was real so I basically read it a few times, sat there at my laptop, flabbergasted. And I was like, if it's real, this is really odd. And if it's not real, this is mean. Um, <laughs> so, you know, after processing it a little bit and thinking about it, I then, you have to say whether you accept it. So I emailed back and said, here's my information. If it's, if uh, my wording was, if this is legit, then of course I accept it as an honor. Um, but if it's not, then just ignore this because I'll get back in my box um yeah so it's really surreal and then obviously then um you get a phone call a couple of weeks before again I asked the lady if it was real or not and she said yes and then after that obviously it gets announced but um really surreal an absolute honor um I have so so much respect for the queen I think she's she's what she's gone through for the last you know how many years she's 60 years now she, yeah. she's been in the role running a family business is intense at times and I, I can't imagine what she's gone through but yeah it, it's a complete honour so as you can probably see I, I don't know any other words <laughs> to say about it other than just go a bit tongue-tied. Yeah and it is an amazing um, achievement and again it's it, it links um, in terms of the the award to how you're operating your business or work that you've been doing with the business and um as I said in the introduction around what we're going to be talking about is the sort of your story and um, the, the B Corp um, certification. There may be people in the audience who aren't hugely familiar with what a B Corp is. And I guess a good starting point would be, so from your perspective, what does B Corp mean? I know you don't represent B Corp, but, but the, it is a, a movement and it is something that I think our, our audience should be more aware of. What, what what is it to you? And then we can get into how you got started and, and that kind of stuff. So B Corp is around, I think that the tagline is businesses force for good. Um, and it's around businesses almost taking into consideration, not just profit when it comes to business. Now, you know, profit isn't a dirty word. You have to make profit for business to function, especially family business for the future. You know, a lot of family businesses are around legacy and around future rather than kind of quick win IPO get out. Um, so particularly to, to, to build a business that, you know, profit is, is important. Um, the bit that I think B Corp is focused on is around looking after the planet and your people at the same time. So, um, whether that is, um, you know, you measure your impact. So whether, you know, how do you incentivize your staff? Um, um, you know, what's your, you know, have you measured your outcome footprint? All those typical things, but then also delving into that a little bit deeper and saying, you know, what kind of in, in um, you know, what kind of practices are you going to do in the future? I think one of the biggest things with the BCOP, and I always say this because it's just true, is none of them claim to be perfect. And, and certainly we don't at all. And the way we do business won't be, good for other people other people might go no that isn't the way I want to do business you know I want to do it this way so it's not a be all and end all but for me B Corp sat really nicely with our values of of actually or don't be an arsehole but at the same time be a be a genuine business that's um kind of looking after the planet 
looking after its team. And I think actually all both of those things then result in a, in a, in a good profit anyway, and mm-hmm. um, a profitable company because you have you've got staff retention, you've got you know you you think about legacy, think about future. Your business is actually sustainable, not just in the green way, but in a in a in a future view sustainability as well. Yeah, and I think you, you touched on a couple of really important points there is that there can often be firstly taking a step along this the journey but particularly to something like um, B Corp can seem quite intimidating particularly if it's not something that you've done before and I know there's there's a lot of tools on the sort of B Corp website that help um, people to firstly measure where they are and, and start that um, process but also the perhaps fear that well we're not perfect we there's a lot for us to do in order to become perfect therefore it's it's too much to consider at this stage but I think what you're you're saying there is it's doing what feels right to you and developing the business around your values and the long-term view that family businesses tend to take when it comes to decision making and then doing the best you can to strive towards what it is you're trying to achieve rather than thinking we need to be perfect on on day one yeah exactly and and I think you know, any small steps towards either of those, you know, whether it's looking after your team or looking after the environment or community around you, any small step is a good step. So, you know, we're not talking about changing the world tomorrow by, you know, turning everything on its head and and changing everything you're doing. That's not, I don't think, B Corp's goal, really. B Corp's goal, in my opinion, I'm, I'm not speaking on their behalf here, but from what I get from them is incremental changes and lots of businesses doing it. Um, and and conducting themselves in a way that's transparent and and it, it I guess like I say not just making decisions I mean you sat in, in a boardroom and you make a decision about you know profitability and it means you're going to dump loads of chemicals into the sea for example is actually taking that decision and going no for the future of this business number one we're not going to do that but also for the environment the, the right thing to do is not to do that uh-huh. so I think it, it's making it's trying to get businesses to think about actually what they're doing and the impact that has. Um, and I think there's nothing wrong with that um, in, in, in essence. And, I, and for me, it actually makes good business sense. You know, I, I, it's in my heart, so aside from the business sense, it's in my heart to be, to consider other people in what I'm doing. You know, that's always been something I've been brought up with. That's kind of come inherently from my mum and my dad, but I think, the bit that actually, if you're talking this from a commercial standpoint, it makes sense to think about the wider world because that's the thing that impacts you as a business. Do you know what I mean? That the external world impacts the business. So it makes sense to think about that, particularly with things like global, with the climate, climate change and things like that is you've got to have a business for the future. And the way to do that is to address those things that are causing that future to be a little bit less rosy as it, as it could be. Mm. And I think as well, I mean, you're, you're in a position as the, the managing director of, of trying to get the balance right with, with all of what you do within the business. And again, I think, um, and, and you mentioned this, there can often be the misconception that adopting sort of sustainable attitudes towards things means that you have to give up profit. It's like they're not one in the same in the sense that, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a, a direct cost. There might be cost to doing it in, in terms of some initial costs and some outlays and, and focusing on, on different things. But again, with the long-term view, if you're trying to create a sustainable business from an economic perspective and from an environmental 
perspective, you have to have that focus on profit as well. And I guess that some of the misconceptions to try and um, move through is that this is going to be damaging to the long term sustainability from an economic perspective. Yeah, and I, and I think the, the problem with sustainability, it's kind of been banded around. It's become a bit like organic, hasn't it? You know, the word oh. organic used to be such a great word, you know, it's about organic food and it became, um, I don't know what the word, word is. It can't, I guess it became a bit widely used for many different yeah. applications. And I think the same happen is happening with sustainability where, you know, sustainability in many ways, in my view, is an opinion. You know, you, it depends where you put your lens about something, you know, electric cars or, um, you know, carbon footprint of something or whatever. It depends where you put your lens. You know, sometimes plastic is the best option for something, even though it's not the most sustainable end of life. It might be the best with the car, you know, have the best carbon footprint or, you know, sometimes paper is the best option or you can down trees, you know, it depends where you, you kind of put your lens. I mean, we, mm -hmm. we use sheep to walk, so, you know, there's, there's a whole thing around animals as well, isn't there? So, you know, it depends where you put your lens around sustainability, but I think really it's around a balance. And I kind of see sustainability a bit like a diet that you can go on the Atkins diet and lose loads of weight, lose loads of weight and then put, put it all back on. Yeah. Or you can change your habits a bit and it's incremental. Now, typically, I don't think, and I'm guilty of it. I want a quick win, you know, I want to be able to lose weight quickly. Everyone does. But you actually see the biggest changes where you do it over a period of time. And I think I, that's kind of what B Corp, I think, is driving at is that changes over time, the sustainable changes doing the right thing, which means that you have a bigger impact at the end. So you're not just, you know, um, changes really, really quickly, but you actually end up going back because it's not sustainable for you. Uh -huh. You do it slowly over time. Um, and economic wise, I mean, just simply things like switching the light off it saves you money doesn't it you know turning your heating down little things like that that you know it's sustainably good from an environmental point of view but it also saves you money so yep. why wouldn't you do it exactly and I, I like the um diet analogy because in order to successfully diet i guess it, the, the term to use there is to be able to measure so measure where you are now and where you perhaps want to get to but also measure what you're putting in and what you're you're taking out in, in terms of say exercise or with uh, the types of food that you're eating and again one of the um, bigger barriers I guess to to long-term sustainability is the measurement of well how do we measure how do we start measuring our carbon footprint how do we start measuring the carbon footprint in our supply chain if that's something that we don't necessarily directly control their output but we still work with them how do we do that and the the B Corp process as I understand it, allows you to start that measurement. It gives you guidance as to how to measure. And that's an important step in getting started is you need to know where you are before you can then decide where you want to get to and how you want to get there. Is that right? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think um, like with anything, the, you know, you kind of summed it up nicely, which is you've got to have that measure at the end to know where you're getting to. And, and I think in many ways it's going beyond the end and going, well, where do we, keep continuing to but you're right I think the the importance I think what B Corp for us provide is the certification is great you know it's something that we can say well look what we're saying we're doing we're doing but it also provided a platform for us to measure some of those things you know did I expect to get it as soon as we did probably not in many ways I was very happy that we did obviously you know I thought we'd have to do um, there was more things we could do, but actually, um, 
I think in terms of the measurements, it gives you ideas of things you can improve on. So like, for example, we, we are currently going through our carbon footprint analysis. Um, now, previously we didn't really have the resource, we, you know, time, you know, as you know, with anything, your time is always limited. So we've done a bit of work on it, but not loads. So our scoring on that was, was kind of, you know, had we measured it, we'd looked at it. So that's a small point, but you don't get as many points because you haven't done it in depth. So that kind of directed us towards, well, actually we need to do that because that's really important. So we're doing that more in depth now. Um, and, and it gives you ideas around incentivization of staff. It gives you ideas around community engagement, you know, things like measuring your community engagement. How do you measure that? It, it makes you start thinking about those things. Mm-hmm. So whilst I'm not a massive, you know, person with stats and figures and, 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 and spreadsheets and stuff, what I do recognize is like you say, the importance of having a measurement that you can drive towards and imp- keep improving. And I think that's, that's something that people do really well and give us um, give us a good platform to do that and ideas. I mean, it's about the network as well. So once you're within the network, there's lots of support on how can I make this better? You know, I've got this idea, I wanna do this, but how do I do it? Has anyone else done it? Um, and get that, those ideas from like-minded people. Yeah, and that peer support is so important because if you're the first person blazing a trail and doing it, it it's, it's possibly the most difficult. But when you've got the um, ability to call upon others that could be from completely unrelated industries and, and trades and, and geographically different locations across on a B Corp's a global um, sort of uh, movement, it, it allows you to draw on those experiences and perhaps think of things in a different way to how you would have been anyway because of that peer knowledge and the, the learning you can do through that yeah and you, you kind of you know if you're the trailblazer obviously people learn from your mistakes um but then in terms of the actual um network like you say there's someone who's done something maybe similar or has thought something similar you know and also it's things like com- combining with the groups you know um there's a group that um i'm you know, kind of a an internal working group that i'm sat on and we were talking about plastics and packaging and one of the things you know, someone said is, oh, you know, if I want to reduce my plastic, I have to order in this meant this much quantity, for example. And actually then his point was, well, perhaps there were other B Corps that aren't necessarily in his industry that could also order that plastic or that type of plastic in order to um, allow him to get that minimum order, which would be a better type of plastic than the one he's currently using. Uh-huh. So that's quite interesting. There's things like that where you can actually do something tangibly business related that isn't just you know people on, on planet side of things that i think sometimes turn certain people off yeah. you can actually use a tangible good for the business as well yeah and going back to sort of the starting point for where you and i'm assuming it was you that sort of drove the um, move towards b corp uh, to, to, how did that get raised initially so if was it a board meeting was it a family conversation was it how did b corp come onto your agenda and then you thought well, that's that's what we want to take on as a business so um it was actually a meeting with a customer oh, probably five years ago maybe maybe um time goes so quickly doesn't it you know <laughs> yeah. I, I lost you know, as with everyone we lost 2020 didn't we like it was it, whatever happened in 2020 it was a, a year that kind of didn't happen so i'm still in 2019 so it probably was five years ago could have been three uh-huh. um, but i met with a customer <laughs> and and um he he was he's kind of very much in sustainability um a guy called tom and he he basically said um was asking me what do we do it and i was like well yeah i'd love to do it but at the time it probably was longer than five years ago we were quite small i was like well 
if you know it's a little bit of money like did you know was it something that fit and I wanted to go away and find out more about it so it's always been in the back of my mind and every time I looked at it I was like oh, I really want to do that but other things got in the way and then I just kind of decided a couple of years ago that we're just going to do it I just sat there one day went on the B assessment the, the BIA I think called the BIA um and the assessment that they have and just went on there and just filled in as much as I could sat there for two or three hours um and then just kept coming back to it and adding to it and I slowly began to realize that actually what we were doing was actually in keep, very much in keeping with the B cup side of things and and we were doing quite well on the score and I was like well actually this would be quite a good certification to get and it's particularly because we were saying a lot of the things they were saying within their movement but it's an external way to kind of go that's what we're actually doing so when we're telling our customers doing x y and z this is a way to go we actually do it we do do it um so yeah so, so from that perspective um it was kind of a bit of a, a slow burner um, but something that I did really want to do but we just got to the point where I was like this is the right time um and uh, it fit with with kind of um you know time resource and everything as well that we could we could give to it and then bringing that into the business was there uh, was it embraced with open arms was there some resistance perhaps some reluctance from from some some skepticism what what was the feeling within the business as you started to kind of go down that route I think everyone's really excited. I think everyone was actually kind of, because again, we, because the way that we work, we try and make it quite inclusive in what we're doing. And I think people were quite excited because they, they could see it was a way for us to kind of, I guess, measure what we were doing, but also show the world what we were doing in a way um, and say, look, yeah, okay, well, everything we're saying we are doing is here. You know, this is this is a succinct way of showing it. Uh-huh. So yeah, and everyone's really on board. I mean, I think both, you know, Keith and my mum started the business with the with similar ethos that was around community, it was around family, it was around creating something within the business that was um kind of positive, like a positive movement is a, is a sustainable product. So that was the whole ethos behind it. And then my sister and I, because obviously my mum brought us up and my dad, um we already had that feel also within us uh-huh. so I think yeah. you kind of take that forward from that that sounds really fluffy doesn't it that isn't really the best answer in the world is it no, but you know, I think it's something that is inherent I think you know you, you do reflect quite a lot of your parents values um and I think that's what we've done taking this forward yeah I agree and and I think one of the again the important points that you made there was this was a way of when you started to look down the sort of criteria and the measurement side of things it was a way of actually proving that what you were doing was already aligned to what you wanted to be doing. And again, I think that can be quite an in- intimidating area for, for businesses to think that this is going to tell me that I've been doing everything wrong my entire um, <laughs> tenure as, as the um, leader of this business, managing director, or whatever role that they're fulfilling. But actually very often, and, and again, I think maybe I'm biased because um, of my sort of feelings towards family businesses, but there is so much more alignment with the sustainable side of things from uh, economic and environmental issues because of the long-term nature of family business, that actually they're probably doing far more towards what's being asked of other corporations um, than they recognize. And this is a good way to celebrate that and to recognize it and measure it and and almost get some external validation that what we've been doing that we thought was right for so long, actually, others are being asked to measure themselves against this now because it's so important to 
the environment and to the, the economy. Yeah, I think that's that's really true. I, I think um, I think it's it's there's a lot of things within family businesses that are inherently. I mean, not again. This isn't everyone, but I you know a lot of family businesses I come across over the time. There seems to be the inherent thing about looking after the team, and that's a big part of B Corp is is making sure that your team and the community around you is being considered when decisions are being made. So that's the first and foremost. The other thing is around um, stakeholders and shareholders. Um, and changing your articles of association to reflect <clears throat> that you will take into consideration your stakeholders and not just your shareholders, um, which is massive. And I think a lot of family businesses, again, would buy into that because they see the whole of the business as a stakeholder rather than you know just focusing on the family shareholders. Um, and I and I think then going into kind of um, the ethos around that future legacy. 100 percent i think there's there's a there's there's also the thing isn't there with family businesses where new generations are coming through so what you've got is you've got a mix of of generations in there you've got the generations that, that did it a certain way you've got the next generation coming through who are maybe doing it slightly differently because of tech or because of whatever else and then you've got a new generation which i'm sure will take hopefully take take on from me in the future which are completely different in terms of um, the tech that they've got. You know, they, they're kind of born with a, with a mobile phone in their hand, you know. So <clears throat> in many ways, business is always evolving. And I think perhaps that's where the family businesses benefit for things like B Corp is because the ideas around the table are very rarely just, you know, they are sometimes obviously, but as the new generations come through, you've got, you've got, the, you've got the experience and knowledge base of the older generation which is absolutely key to respect that's number one um, as a new generation coming through is they've got the knowledge they've got the experience they've got the lifetime that can bring something really intensive and the history of business and you've got the new generation that have got kind of maybe new ideas that are coming through as well so you've got a good mix there and I think that also makes family business quite forward thinking in many ways when it comes to how they manage things like the environment and and their team and going back to your point about kind of right and wrong ways is I don't necessarily see it, the historic of what business has done is wrong it's just what it's done unless it's done something really wrong but I'm talking in the rounds of wrong uh -huh. you know, a decision that was made 10 years ago probably was the right decision for then the business 10 years ago yeah. fast forward now is actually maybe the business is just evolving it isn't wrong it's just changed uh -huh. um, and I think that's kind of with the B Corp um, it's around changing slightly what you do rather than completely turning it on, on its head and going and doing everything wrong yeah that makes sense yeah absolutely it does and um i think i'm gonna um destroy this phrase now because i'm not sure i've got it right entirely in my head but there's that um phrase in business that the some people refer to as the most dangerous phrase in business being the reason we do that is because that's always the way that we've done that or variations of it. It probably sounds much better in the, the actual saying. From a from a family dynamics perspective, is that it's not being critical of what's gone before. It's being accepting of decisions were being made with the best interest in mind at that time, given the information and access to, to knowledge that we had at that time. That has changed. The world has changed. I mean, you mentioned 2020 as you know, this uh, last year in terms of what we've all had to experience with the, the pandemic. And that would never have been on people's agendas, making decisions even in 2019, because it wasn't something that was necessarily on the radar. So having that ability to adapt and accept things for what they are, 
I'm guessing helps from a family harmony perspective as well that you're not kind of looking back going well you made that decision 15 years ago or you made that decision eight months ago and it's completely the wrong thing it's just okay we've got our eye on where we're going we know what we want to achieve we need to accept that we're all on this bus together yeah and I think every decision is right when you make it isn't it you know you, no one makes a long decision on purpose <laughs> yeah you know, actually, um, quite often and I would say it's for my friends I'm like sometimes you just to be blunt about it sometimes you're just winging it you know and, and it, some of it's experience some of it's knowledge base some of it's kind of gut but in certain sometimes you do just take a punt and go the least risky thing to do here is x uh -huh. and so we're going to do that or the most risky thing here with the biggest reward is y so we're going to do that so and you know if if business was a perfect perfect formula then everyone would be a multi-millionaire you know uh -huh. so it's not and, and i think what i've over the time um, come to recognize is, is that respect again and I've always respected my parents it's, it's been something that's inherent but I think to respect the fact that my mum and Keith have a lot of experience and particularly when I first came in is not to just go no we're going to do it that way that was wrong last time uh -huh. you know what you did 10 years ago was wrong because it's not it, it and you respect the fact that, that they made a decision in that time and it was right because the business wouldn't be where it was now if, if, if that hadn't happened and yeah. um, and um, yeah, and, and to your point about the um, pandemic is when we got our ISO 9001 certification, we had to do business continuity. And in that meeting, we were like going left field. And I was like, I, said, I actually said I wanted to put an alien invasion. Uh -huh. um, I was shot down, but I actually think now <laughs> we should put that in, you know? Yeah, <laughs> nothing should be off the agenda now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So we're going to put that in. But, you know, Fantastic. It, it, it's that is, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? But, um, I think, you know, jokes aside, it's important to recognise both the past, but also what's going to go on in the future and recognise where someone was at in the past when they made that decision. Because, yeah. as I say, it's pro it was probably the right decision at the time. It's just about evolution. Yeah. Um, it's my, again, it's this, this opinion from what I've experienced. I'm sure uh -huh. there's people who have very different experiences. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it's that's... in my, my experience. Uh, and I think what okay one of the things that you mentioned there one of the changes that you've um, instigated through the the B Corp process is the changing of language within your articles from shareholder to stakeholder and I imagine for a lot of the audience that are listening that makes sense it's a logical thing to go yes that's how we think but for those that are perhaps outside of sort of family business land um, that change can can seem quite a big change and quite a, a mindset um, shift but what again I'm getting the impression so correct me if I'm wrong but that the feeling of stakeholder is felt throughout your business it's not it's not an us and them kind of uh, environment it's very much a team approach and that everybody uh, within the business feels part of what it is that you're trying to achieve and do you feel that the stakeholder language change is a reflection of that or that the feeling within the business is a result of the language change, if that makes sense. So it's like a horse and cart kind of analogy. Yeah, yeah I, mean, um, I would say that the the change was a reflection of what we already felt. So I think with everything in B Corp, it, it's been a reflection of what was already there rather than what we put in afterwards. B Corp has allowed us in the platform to improve certain things, so such as networks or, or, or suggestions or you know, areas of measurement where we can go, we can do better in that area. But I think 
going to the point around um, kind of chicken or the egg or horse and cart is um, I think it was already there. And, and to me, and this is probably my naivety outside of kind of the world that I'm currently in, is I don't know why you wouldn't change it. Even, even if you've got shareholders going, well, actually, um, I'm nervous about that because it means you're not going to take me into account when you're making decisions. The point of stakeholders is you're making the best decision for the business. So because the business really, you're making the best decision that's going to drive the business forward because ultimately everyone wants the business to survive, not at any cost. Clearly, if you're destroying the environment, that's not okay. Uh -huh. But if you've just got a normal business ticking along, the best way you, in my opinion, again, my opinion, I'm sure someone would have an argument against it, but in my opinion, the best way to make a business function for a, for a long period of time and be profitable and have a future is to involve your stakeholders uh -huh. when you're making decisions because why would you make a decision that impacts the environment if that meant that in five years time your business couldn't function or why would you make a decision that impacted your team if it meant that all your team walked out tomorrow i, I it blows my mind but i'm sure there's arguments against it i'm, I'm open to have that discussion <laughs> but in my in my mind i just go i don't understand why you wouldn't change it to stakeholder because it, it's not that much of a difference because actually when you're taking into consideration your shareholders, you are taking into consideration the impacts on the business of everything. So yeah. to change the stakeholders is just to respect the people that are working for you and the community around you. So again, I, I'm, I'm, that's my opinion. And as I say, I'm sure there's, there's valid arguments against it. Um, yeah, and I, I guess um, one of the, uh, it's not an argument against it, but one of the concerns would be that by changing it from shareholder to stakeholder, that you would ignore the shareholders. But the point you're making there is your shareholders are still stakeholders, but it's broader than just working on the basis of only speaking to the shareholders when you're trying to make decisions. It's taking decisions that incorporate everything. So the impact on your team, the impact on the local community, the impact on your shareholders, the impact on your management structure, all of that's taken into account. So it's not excluding shareholders and saying you're no longer important. It is saying you are really important, but actually so is this whole other group of people that um, we need to, to bear in mind when we're making these decisions. Yeah, and I think what, and maybe again, this is a crazy statement and I'm sure there's other arguments, but what gets me is you wouldn't be a shareholder without your stakeholders because you wouldn't have a business without people around you or the community around you or the, the environment. So mm -hmm. if you had no planet, there'd be no businesses. If you had no people, you'd have no team. If you had no community, again, you wouldn't have no team because the community is what obviously the, the people are, people come from local. So mm -hmm. you kind of go, well, it's all very well being arrogant and sitting there and saying, I'm a, I'm a shareholder. So, you know, actually this should all be about me. I run the business. That's one view to have. But the other view as a shareholder is to go, well, actually, the people that work for, you know, for the, for the shareholders in inverted commas, I don't believe that's true, but people that work with you, the community around you or the environment around you, without that, you wouldn't be sitting at the table. So why wouldn't you give them the respect to consider them in your, in your, um, in your decision, decision making? Yeah. And, and it's just human, it's just humane, isn't it? You know, it's, it's having a bit of humanity and empathy that, these, you know, the people and the environment is something that's absolutely key to business. And, and I think we're kind of a little bit, without going too too green on people, we're kind of a little bit in the in the kind of mess we're in a little bit because those things have been ignored and we're moving into a, a realms where 
were having to fix that retrospectively. Um, and that's not to just, again, that's, decisions were made in the past for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, it's just now we need to find ways to improve that. And as you can probably hear from my passionate speech about it is, I'm quite passionate about the fact that the way we do that is not, it's not by everyone switching to electric cars. It's not by everyone suddenly switching the lights off and, and, and you know, there are ways to help it, but it, it's about small steps by everyone and not just one big leap into one, one sector or one type of um, object or application, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, no, it does. And it, it's taking ownership of it as collectively as well, not waiting for either the government to, to fix something or for other people to fix something. And then we'll look at it at, at that point. It's taking the initiative, taking ownership of it, and um, sort of moving forward on your own steam rather than waiting for somebody else to, to come along and do that for you. And, and again, without sort of, there are other ways than, than B Corp for doing that, but B Corp gives you the, the framework and the um, sort of motivation to, to go down that route. So it's just on that point, you don't, you don't necessarily have to have B Corp to be a good business. Like I think you have plenty of absolutely awesome businesses and, and particularly local ones that I know of that, you know, aren't interested in B Corp. And, and, and I think this is more around the ethos of it rather than the actual certification. You know, mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not right for everyone. And, and actually it has its own cost to it. And there's, there's, you know, you have to take time to fill it in and all those things that I've just said are great about it. Mm -hmm. It's obviously got reasons people don't do it. I think the point about it is isn't necessarily getting B Corp and isn't necessarily being the most perfect business in the world. No, we're not perfect. Um, it's around just considering, you know, the business as, as a really exciting tool to fix some of the problems out there um, or help to contribute towards it. Mm. I think that's quite exciting for me is we can have our own small little impact by doing a few things a bit better. That's quite a nice, a nice feeling. That's a bit selfish, but it's quite a nice feeling inside as well. Yeah, but there's no kind of losers from that. It's okay to have that nice feeling as well, isn't it? Because you're doing, it's a nice feeling because you're doing good rather than, you know, you, example, you're saying dumping chemicals into the sea. If you've got a nice feeling from that, there might be some issues around yeah. uh, that side <laughs> of it. But it, that's not, not perhaps as, as widely ex accepted, but it, it is OK to feel good about this. And as we said right from the, the get go of the show, it's OK to be profitable and to make money and to, you know, contribute positively to society by doing the right things. That's, you know, the perfect combination. It's a celebration that, that should be happening on that, that rather than, you know, people being put under the microscope for um, trying to take those steps forward. I, I quite like, I mean, I'm, I'm a massive fan of Harry Potter um, and I quite like, there's a, there's a saying in it, um, and someone's a bigger fan of Harry Potter than me will tell me this is wrong, but there's a saying in it that goes something along the lines of, um, I think it's Dumbledore, he says it, or Sirius, one of them, um, that everyone has both light and dark, right? So it's, it's such a true phrase that, you know, no one's perfect and everyone has things that they do that, aren't as good and has things really it's better and you know it, it, I think the, the great thing about B Corp or a something like or kind of that ethos of just doing things a little bit more mindful I guess is not necessarily to point out the flaws it's not necessarily to tell you, you do something wrong it's to just kind of go well we can do things a bit better and actually let's take some of that light and do something good um, and that's the kind of I guess that's always been a bit of an inherent ethos for me um, to kind of try and do the right thing, recognizing that don't always get it right. You know, that's, that's, I'm the first to recognize that, but you know, there's this constant drive for things to be perfect and people to do things the right way. And 
and that isn't that isn't human you know mm-hmm. the people do sometimes make mistakes but it's what you do after those mistakes as well which are key yeah um, and it's it's forgive it's forgiveness as well isn't it you know i'm going a bit a little bit off tangent now but the point being that you know i, I don't want necessarily i never want to come across that you know we're saying this is the only way you can do business because it's not that it's just that slightly more mindfulness of a business to go when you make a decision how does this impact my team and how does it impact the wider world and just taking that second to consider that yeah yeah and um i think what you've highlighted to um the audience today is that the the ways and and means of doing that and and getting started and, and looking at it and um, again, by hearing other people's stories, it helps it become more attainable for, for others. And I, I really hope that's um, been, been received by audience. I'm sure it has. Um, if people want to get in touch and um, sort of find out a bit more about you, where would they go for, for that? Um, so you can go on uh, social media. So we are at We Are Walk Call on all, apart from TikTok, we're not on TikTok, but we're on Instagram. Uh-huh. Um, Twitter and Facebook and then um, www.walkall.com is our website if you want to find a bit more um, yeah so um, but yeah it's, it's been a really interesting discussion I think you know, um, I know there's loads of really amazing family businesses out there um, and I think one thing I said with the MBE thing is I don't know if you've seen Mean Girls but she breaks off the, the tiara at the end she gets the tiara and she for the people who know this she breaks off and throws it out and a bit like the MBEs I think for me, that's for everyone else's is 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 input, you know, some of stakeholders around. So I think um, you know, from our side, from 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 my side, there's loads of amazing businesses out there that don't get the recognition they should. Um, and to kind of keep going the way they're doing it. Because family businesses are amazing and and really great force in the UK. And I don't think that gets recognized enough. Agreed. I'm passionate about family businesses too, clearly. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for um, your time sharing your story and those um, really useful insights as well. And um, again, congratulations on the uh, MBE. Thank you. And uh, yeah, look forward to speaking to you again soon. Yeah, thanks so much for listening, everyone. And yeah, have a a great day. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you found the show helpful, please consider leaving a review on iTunes and remember to subscribe to our newsletter. If what I've covered in the show resonates with what you are facing in your own family business, I can help. I provide consultancy support to family businesses of all sizes, so please get in touch if you'd like to know more. Head over to fanbizpodcast.com forward slash work with Russ. Until next time, take care.